memory. And uh, I, can, I can attest to that, you know. And, um, and so short pencil is definitely better than a short memory. So anyway, you get your uh, pencils out and, and get ready to take some notes. We had a great time, you know, we, we spoke on keys to a, a successful relationship uh, Friday night. I, I think it went well. And, um, and so, uh, you know, that is important. And so we, we did want to have a serious part of it. We've been talking about our church. Really, I should have named it His Church, the series. Uh, and uh, while we get into that, Wednesday night, uh, Andre did a great job sharing his testimony. And, uh, and so that'll be on our website. You can see it on Facebook, but we'll, we're also posting that up on our website. Uh, he did a, a wonderful job. If you've ever thought that your life was tough, listen to Andre's testimony. He came out of some, some rough things, and, and a lot of us, a lot of you have. And so, uh, But God can do miracles in people's lives, and we like to see miracles. Well, the series we're doing is built on the verse, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said this, I will build my church. Who, who said they're going to build a church? Jesus. Y'all got to help me preach here. Jesus said he's going to build the church. He said, I'm going to build the church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. We get, we get kind of timid, you know, today's world. We think, oh, man, you know, they're coming after the church. They're, they're doing all this stuff to kill the church. You know, they're COVID. Uh, they're saying we can't meet and all this. Now, Supreme Court's rule, we can meet, you know, and, and all. But everybody worries about it. Let me tell you something. The Roman Empire couldn't get rid of the church. Uh, other empires haven't been able to get the church. Enlightened Europe couldn't get rid of the church. And the crazies in this country aren't going to get rid of the church either. So you can just say amen to that. Jesus said, I'm going to build the church and the powers of hell. And there's a lot of powers of hell out there. Uh, and, uh, and they will not conquer the church. And so we need to, I believe that the church is God's answer to the craziness of our world today. I believe that the church is God's answer to the craziness of our world. It's, we live in a real crazy time. We live in a desperate time, a depressed time. And the church, the body of Christ, the big church, the, the overall church and local churches are the answer. I mean, when this verse, uh, this next verse we're going to look at in Isaiah, when it was written, society was crumbling, kind of like it is now. All the institutions of society, the things that we've learned to depend on, that were reliable, you know, are no longer reliable. You know, now, uh, you know, uh, just a few short years ago, on 9-11, the police and fire were heroes. Now they're, they're, they're put down and shot at and maligned and want to be defunded and all that. And so institutions that we've depended on are crumbling, and, and that's what was going on here. And so Isaiah wrote this. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. Now, he's talking about Jesus. A tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. So what is Jesus? He's a sure foundation. And the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. That means you and I, as long as we're relying on our relationship with Jesus, we don't have to panic, whether it's over the virus, whether it's over the riots, whether it's over the crazy media that's calling us names and, and going against the church and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to rely and be stricken with panic because we're building our lives on the foundation. Remember the story of the, of the wise builder and the foolish builder. One builds his life on the sand. The other built his house on the rock. And when the storm didn't knock the one built on rock down, but it knocked the one on sand down. 
And, uh, and so, you know, if we build our lives on sand, we're going to not withstand the storms of life. But when we build our life on the rock of Jesus Christ, a relationship we have with him, we don't have to be stricken with panic. We will test, we will stand the test of the storms. So once again, the church is the answer. I don't believe we have to worry as long as our foundation is Jesus. Now, we've been talking about the church a little bit here. And uh, last week, we, we touched on really why Pastor Kathy and I, we wanted to start a church. And we wanted our church to be a passionate church. And we talked about that last week. We wanted to be a passionate church. We wanted to be, you know, there's a, there's a we want to be on fire. Anybody, any, you know, we were in men's Bible study and, and uh, one of the guys said, uh, I don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be on fire. We want to be on fire for the Lord. And, and, uh, and so we want to be, have that same passion that Jesus had. It said his zeal for the house of God would actually uh, identify who he was and stuff. And so we want that passion for prayer. We talked about having a passion for prayer. We had talked about having a pr- passion for praise and worship. Y'all were a little bit lax today, I got to say. Y'all kind of calm. We want to see some clapping, hopping, and dancing, you know, I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But we want to be passionate about our praise and worship, just like we are about rooting LSU on, you know, or Tulane or, or the Saints, you know. And, uh, and we also want to have a passion, that same passion God has for people. We talked about that. And, uh, and so today, uh, we want to talk about pursuing all that God has for you, pursuing all God has for you. And, and, uh, and so, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. All that we have is not all God has. All that we have is not all God has. It's kind of like when your daddy said, you know, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. Some of y'all have had that said to you, right? You know, I mean, it's like when, you know, guys, we'd stand up. We think we know more than our daddy. And he'd have to remind us, yes, son, I taught you everything you know. But I didn't teach you everything I know. And that's what God is. He, 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 all that we have is not all he has. He's the God of more. He has more for us. Doesn't matter what level you are, God has more for you and for me. Too many, too many times we just get just enough. We want some fire insurance. It's like, you know, I, I pray I get saved. I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Jesus. That's enough. Hear people say, well, as long as I get to heaven, I don't care if it's on the outskirts of the city or what, you know. But, hey, look, why would you want anything but everything God wants for you? Why would you want anything less than that? But a lot of times when we talk about going after more, people misunderstand that. And so today I hope to convince you that River Church is River Church. We want more for our church. I want more for me. I want to be deeper in the Lord. I want to be stronger in the Lord. I want my relationship. I want to be more on fire, just like uh, Joey was saying in the men's Bible study. I want to be more on fire, and, and, and that's what we want. And, and last night in prayer, uh, you know, somebody was sharing, I, I just feel like my faith is blossoming, you know, and that's what we want. That's what we want. We want that passion, that more. And I want to convince you that that's, that's what we need and want as a church. So what does that look like? Well, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I want you to think about that. We can't even imagine what God wants for us. And the sad part is, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be awful to get to heaven and you're standing there talking to Jesus? You see all this stuff back over here? He said, this is what I wanted to do in your life, but you never pursued it. Wouldn't that be sad? And, and he's got these blessings he wants to give us. He's got these tasks he wants to give us. And, and, and so he's prepared. We can't even imagine. It says, 
no eye seen or ear heard, your mind can't even conceive what God has for you. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. He's introducing the Holy Spirit here. God's revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So everybody, you know, somebody, people say, well, Robert, you just kind of preach shallow. Well, it's deep today. It says the deep things of God. And, and he's not talking about heaven here. He's talking about more. He says it's a present tense. He didn't say, hey, he did this. He said he's doing this. And, and so, uh, so today we're going to go uh, a little bit deeper. So I don't believe at any time in my lifetime have we needed the power of God in our lives more than we do today. I mean, we live in a, in a critically tough time, and we live in a time very much like the days of Noah, very much like the days of the Roman Empire. Um, and, and so it's a crazy time. We've had this pandemic going on where people have been isolated. You've got massive depression. You've got people's uh, economics have been messed up. You've got riots that go on. We've got the craziest politics of any time in our lifetimes going on. We've got all kinds of things. You've got, you know, you can have a riot over here and everybody gets arrested. You can have a riot over here and everybody gets praised. You know what I mean? It's just nuts. And, and at no other time in the history of my lifetime have we needed to depend on God more than we do today. Well, I don't, I, you know, I don't, need to, I don't need to depend on me. I need God. And, uh, and so, you know, y'all need, I got one amen over here on that. Y'all need, come on, somebody, you know, make some noise. You know, here's the thing. Paul said this. He said this, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Let me just say something. Paul said they weren't with wise and persuasive words. Paul would have had double PhD from the best seminary in the country. He was a brilliant guy. Matter of fact, Kathy's dad, when she was in Israel, David Ben-Gurion, who's the one in 1948 that declared Israel a nation, told him, said uh, that, that Paul was the biggest threat to modern-day Judaism because he was an educated Jew who converted. And so he knew all the arguments. He knew what to say. And so he said, but I didn't come. My preaching wasn't with wise and persuasive words. He said, but this, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Let me tell you what, we don't need persuasive words and, and educated. A lot of, you know, I hear people say, well, you know, I like this preacher. He, he talks about what the Greek says. I do that all the time. I just don't tell you that's what the Greek says. Okay? You know, I mean, it, it's like, you know, it, I just, here's what this means, you know. And, and, but, but he said, I want a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what we want. That's what Pastor Kathy and I want. That's what we need as a church. And that doesn't mean necessarily somebody hopping up and down. That doesn't necessarily mean somebody giving a message in tongues. Uh, you know, when I think about miracles, I think about George King, our, our youth pastor, who's now the chaplain at, at uh, uh, the parchment prison for the uh, prison system. I think about some of those lives who, who were thrown away, who spent time in prison, whose God has changed. I think about some of y'all that have had histories in drug addiction that God has delivered from that. Uh, and some of us, he's just delivered from being a knucklehead. Those are miracles, and we want to see more of that, you know. Less knuckleheads and more people serving the Lord, you know I mean, and, uh, and stuff like that. So we want to see demonstrations of God's power. Paul uh, went on to say this in, in verse 20 he said, of chapter 4. He said, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. He said, the kingdom of God, here's what it is. It's living by God's power. That's what living in the kingdom of God is. 
it's living by God's power. I read a book years ago called King's Kids. And uh, I'm a child of the king. And, and, and that's who we are. We're children of the creator of the universe. And we need to walk and live by God's power, not us. And I want to invite you into that today. You know, we don't need to live by our own power. We need to live by God's power. Uh, and, uh, and so we wanna, uh, we're, we're offering that today. So I want to tell you about three things that God has for you. And, I, and they're actually a theological term. We don't think about this being a theological term, but it's the word baptism. And uh, we think of baptism as something we do in that bucket back there, you know. And, uh, and when you get dunked, sprinkled, or poured on, you know, if you were a Lutheran, you, they poured it on you. If you're uh, a Methodist, like I was, they sprinkle you. Catholics too, I think. And then, then if you, you know, I got baptized a bunch of times. I got baptized as a baby, sprinkled. I got, I got uh, then when I joined a Baptist church, they dunked me, held me under for a while. It was real cold. You know, and all that. And, and so I, I've got a friend got baptized three times, twice in the Methodist church, once in the Baptist church. And, uh, and, and some churches, you've got to be baptized in their church for it to count. You know, all kinds of stuff. But that's not what baptism means. The word means to immerse in. The word means baptizo means to immerse in. Today we would say, hey, go all in. Go all in. And, and so I want to talk to you about these three things. There's three baptisms I want to talk to you about. The first is baptism into the body of Christ. That's your salvation. You may have never heard salvation put this way, but it's baptism into the body of Christ. You're not only, when you become a Christian, you're not just baptized into Jesus, you're baptized into his body. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. You see, we're baptized into the body. We're baptized into a family, uh, you know, and, uh, and the Spirit is the one that baptizes us into the body of Christ, into the body of Christ. We're baptized. We're a family. It's why we get together on Sundays. It's why when you're feeling down and out, you don't need to stay home and isolate, which is what you feel like doing, or when you've done something wrong and you're ashamed, you want to stay home. Nobody in this church is going to cast shadow on you, and, and so you need to be around your family. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. Paul goes on to say, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ. So we become brothers of Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, there is a word, we've been baptized into Christ, into his body, have clothed yourselves with him. So we're baptized into a family. That's the first, that's salvation. That's we're, when we become saved, we're, we not only gain Christ, we gain a family. You know, we talked about uh, covenant relationships where they would actually cut themselves and rub the blood together and and, and one culture, they'd put a cloth around the hands and let the blood mingle. And you're blood brothers. Well, we're blood because it's by the blood of Jesus that we're joined together as a family. And, uh, and so we're baptized in the body of Christ. The second baptism is water baptism. We do do that in that bucket back there. It's a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what water baptism is. Now, it's a public de declaration. You might say, well, why is it separate from being baptized in the body of Christ? Because if it weren't separate, it would violate Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where it says you're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace. It's not of a work. And so if you had to be baptized to be saved, that's something you do. Then Jesus didn't need to die. You need to understand that. And, and so it says those who accepted this message... In, in Acts 2.41, uh, when Peter was preaching, 
those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So they believed and accepted his message, and then they were baptized to show it. It's a public declaration. Water baptism doesn't save you. Grace saves you when you receive Christ. Now, some people say you've got to be baptized to be saved. I remember a kid when I was in Youth for Christ in Rome, Georgia, right after I got saved. He was a member of a church that believed, oh, you could get saved, but if you died in a car wreck on the way to get baptized, you just didn't make heaven. You know, and, and that's just wrong. Uh, the, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, we're saved by grace. Now, some people believe that uh, not only do you have to be baptized to be saved, what the person says is important. Now, can you imagine? You're, you've been, you know, you accepted Christ, you get baptized, you go under that water. I'm holding you under for a count of 20. And, you know, while I'm saying something, and then you come up, and, uh, and so you, one day you're standing in front of the Lord, and you say, Jesus, I'm so glad to see you. I can't wait to get in heaven. And he goes, oh, man, look, I'm sorry, man. The guy that baptized you, he just said it all wrong. And so we can't let you in. Doesn't that sound stupid? I mean, that's putting that argument down to where it is. But, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got people that will say, hey, you've got you've to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what I do because that's what Jesus said to do. Then you've got others that say, well, Peter said baptize in the name of Jesus. So we just do it all. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to catch it all, all right? But people argue, churches argue over that, and none of that saves you. It's by faith you're saved, by grace. And, uh, and so, but baptism is a public declaration. It's an important declaration. And, and, uh, and, and, and so it doesn't save you. You know, this ring doesn't make me married, but it shows that I'm married. Now, you know, can you imagine if I, I proposed to Kathy and said, I think we need to get married, but look, let's don't do the wedding. And I don't want to wear a ring because, you know, I don't want anybody to know. It'd be, it'd be eyeballs, hair, and blood, you know, coming out. I mean, you know, instead of nine years, it would have been 23 years it have been taking me to talk her into marrying me, you know. And, uh, but this ring shows that I'm married. Being baptized shows that i am been converted into the body of Christ. And so it's, it's a sign to everyone else. And it's an important one. Jesus said this, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before the Father in heaven. How many of you want Jesus to acknowledge you to the, to the Father? I do. Then, then we need to acknowledge him. The next time somebody's saying, oh, you're one of those Christians, instead of going, well, you know, I mean, no, you better believe I am. Somebody said, you're a holy roller, you better believe I am, because he's made me holy and put my name on the roll. I mean, you know, it, it, listen, you need to stand up and acknowledge him so he'll acknowledge us before the Father. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny before the Father in heaven. And so maybe if, you've, if you're here and you've made a profession of Christ, you've You've accepted Christ as your Savior, maybe you even rededicated your life. If you're listening on Facebook, you've not been baptized as a, as a follow-up. See, that's why my baptism as a baby, my mother used to go, well, you were baptized as a baby. I don't know what's wrong with that one. And I said, Mama, I didn't choose that. You chose me. You know, and so, but I chose to receive Christ, and then I followed through with that baptism to say, hey, devil in the world, I'm stepping across the line. I'm following Jesus, and I'm obeying him. And maybe some of you might need to do that. You can put baptism on your card or you can uh, send me a message on Facebook to do that. And so uh, maybe you need to do that and you put that on your connection card. The third baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And it's, it's talking about living a spirit-empowered life. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and I just felt the air leave out of this room. You know, but this has nothing to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with living an empowered life. It's nothing to do with your salvation. Salvation is by grace. That's that first baptism. But this has everything to do with living a spirit-empowered life. And, uh, and so the Bible talks about this one actually more than it does the other two combined. And, uh, and, and let me tell you, there's denominations. I, you know, Pastor Kathy grew up with some cousins that were part of a denomination that said, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. That's not right either. You know, Jesus paid the price. We're saved by what? Grace through faith, not works. And so Jesus paid it all. But there's more, and there's more, and he gives us the Holy Spirit for that. And, and so I want to just, just kind of show you some verses. In Acts 8, 5, you can see that on the screen. Philip went to the city of to a city of Samaria, and he told the people there about the Messiah. Now, what's going on is Philip's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's going out preaching to Je- about Jesus. We all need to be sharing about Jesus. So Philip's out preaching. Later in verse 12, it says, But now the people believed Philip's message. They got saved. The people believed Philip's message and the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And a result, many of the men and women were baptized. That's that water baptism. They didn't get to do it in a nice little baptismal where we fill it up with warm water. They did it out in the Jordan River where it was really cold. It comes out from under a mountain or, or whatever river they were doing it in uh, in Samaria. But, but you know, they, were, they, were, they, they got baptized. That's the second baptism. And so then what happens, the apostles hear about that, and they send Peter and, uh, and John Uh, to go check it out. And it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to 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 them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. They simply had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then here's what it says in verse 17. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now I can remember when that happened to me. Many years ago, a guy laid his hands on me. I fell out on the floor. I'm not ashamed to say it. Now, I know people that do courtesy drops. I know people, you know, Pastor Kathy's never, never fallen over, you know. And, uh, and, and so I knew a guy one time, he, when he was on the way down, he's going, I'm not going to fall, I'm not going to fall, I'm not going to fall. And then, but, you know, but, but, but they laid hands on these guys and they received the Holy Spirit. It's a separate experience. We're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about being baptized into the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. Totally not necessary for salvation. Totally necessary to live a Spirit-empowered life. And, uh, and so I believe we can be Spirit-filled and not spooky. I mean, we've all seen it on TV. They make movies about them, right? Shysters. We've seen it on TV where they're, you know, and everybody falls over. I think that's because he ate onions before he preached. I mean, you know, uh, or garlic or something like that. Or, or, you know, a friend of mine was, was up in line at some uh, evangelist, I won't say his name, but, uh, and he was doing this, and everybody's falling out. And he said, there was a very large guy in front of him. And, uh, and, and I said, he said, I got to thinking, I'm fixing to get crushed. And I said, what'd you do? He said, I sidestepped him. And uh, he was the only one left standing up, you know I mean? But, but, you know, I mean, you've seen that kind of stuff. But we can be spirit-filled and not spooky. The Holy Spirit is given to us not for fun, for power to live, for, for living. And, uh, and so 
listen, I don't want experiences that we may have heard that are wrong uh, to keep us from what God wants us to have. Look at this next verse. John wrote this. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and he's talking about Jesus. Whenever you see the Word with a capital W, it's Jesus. He was the Word and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Talking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity here. And uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and, and so those are the three that agree in heaven. And look what he says. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the water, which is your public declaration of following Christ or your salvation, and, and the blood, which is the cross, which is Jesus paying the price. So you've got those that agree with each other. And here's the thing. Do they agree with you? You see, we want you to have that first, first baptism where you're baptized into Christ. We, and we, we believe you should always be baptized by water and be follow up in baptism. But also, we want you to be baptized and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and I know it's tough because you've heard things. I mean, you know, I remember a friend of mine was leading worship at a Baptist church uh, not far from here. Uh, not not in not on the West Bank is on up towards Baton Rouge and it's a Baptist church and and they'd had a, a pastor come in their pastor was gone so they would have supply preachers this guy came in he didn't even touch this guy he's praying over this guy and the guy fell out and I said hey man what'd you think he said well let me be most honest he thought I was getting fired tomorrow <laughs> because they didn't get some churches don't want the freedom of the Holy Spirit and uh, and so you've seen you know crazy stuff when I was growing up there was a church in Cartersville Georgia. Scott and his wife and family are up there, but they're not at this church. But this church is kind of out, and they handle snakes. And, that, you know, and so you might have heard, well, those, I don't want to be one of those charismatic. They handle snakes. Well, look, when somebody brings out snakes, I'm making a door right over there. I mean, Robert don't like snakes. Hadn't liked one since one got between me and my mama when I was on a tricycle, all right? You know, I mean, I don't like snakes. And, and so they were, they were handling snakes, but that's not what charismatic means. Charisma is gift. It's receiving a gift of God. And, and so why would we not want something that God wants for us? And, uh, and so we've got to go all in. I mean, we've just got to go all in. I can remember I used to go up to, 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 uh, to Marietta, Georgia, or just outside Atlanta. It's hard to tell where Marietta ends and Atlanta starts. But there's this church that's called Mount Perrin Church of God. Years later, that pastor actually helped her agree to marry me. I mean, you know, but... Uh, but I would go up there, and, and they would have praise and worship. I couldn't even hear myself sing, which was probably good. And, uh, and, and yet they would have the power of the Holy Spirit moving in that church, not in a spooky way, in a powerful way. And, uh, and so I saw that. And then a little bitty church back in Rome is where I received baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and I pray in a prayer language. Uh, I've never given a message in tongues, you know, but anything like that, but... But we want that for you. We want more for you. And it's not just about a prayer language. It's about having power in your life to live a spirit-empowered life. I want to hear God when he says, hey, I'm going to be behind you, and I'm going to tell you to go this way when you need to go this way. How many of you know you need need that? Because if you went this way, you might have been in that 50-car pileup. You might have been in that wreck. You might have you might have just been in the crossfire of some idiot in New Orleans that's shoot, doing a shootout at an intersection. I mean, you just never know. You want, I want to hear God. I want his power in my life, and I want that for you. And so I'll tell you today, I'm spirit-filled but not spooky. 
Some of y'all might think I'm spooky, but we need God's power in this church. So why don't, why are we so reluctant to be baptized in the Spirit? Why are we so reluctant? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of things right here real quick. Some people are uninformed. We're going to teach on the Holy Spirit a little bit more uh, in the coming months. And, and if you're uninformed, you're in good company. All through the book of Acts, I challenge you, let's maybe for the next month, read through the book of Acts in addition to your daily reading. The book of Acts is the story of the church and the Holy Spirit moving and powerful. You want to build your faith up? Read the book of Acts. It's powerful. And, and so, but here you get to Acts 19 and... There's some people who never heard of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in verse 1 and 2. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And here's what he asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We hadn't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. So all this explosion going on in the book of Acts, here Paul runs into some people never heard of the Holy Spirit. And, and so, you know, they were saved. They were going to heaven. But he was asking them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And see, salvation is the beginning. It's the first step. Receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, baptizing the Holy Spirit is the next step. And like I said, people think all sorts of things. I mean, you know, for a long time, I, you know, I've been in part of churches where they think charismatics are snake handlers, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, I've seen, I was in a psychology class where they make sort of watch video of some of those snake handling churches. You know, where the guy gets bit by the rattlesnake. I'm, by, I'm having heart palpitations watching the video. You know, I don't like snakes and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, but, but don't let preconceived ideas about the Holy Spirit keep you from pursuing what God, God has nothing bad for us. Nothing bad for us. A- another reason, uh, some people are uninformed, but another reason, some people have grown apathetic. We just got lazy. I, I, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, I'm going to be in the outskirts of heaven, but I'm going to be there, you know, it's fire insurance. Let me tell you something, more than any time in our history, in the season we're in, I'm not sure you can make it being lukewarm. We've all got to be on fire for the Lord because let me tell you, everything in our culture is tearing away at your faith. You'll go to work and they beat up on you and they, and people, you know what people will do trying to do at work? They're, they'll try and aggravate you to where you Lose your cool or where you'll go have a drink with them or where you'll go do something. You know you need to be with your family, but you go out and do something else or, or they'll get you to cheat at work or do something or, or just not do your best at work. They're, you're going to get tested every way possible in every area of our culture. You know, you've got, you've got the TV makes Christians look goofy you've, in every movie. You don't, you don't see a Christian looking like a, a great person. You know, you don't see a Christian laying their life down for somebody. You see them being judgmental and, and, and goofy, you know, and, and stuff. You're going to be challenged. Little things that just nick away at your faith. We've got to be on fire. I'll never forget when she was doing that interview, when Pastor Kathy was doing that interview, and uh, Mike Singletary, when they asked him, is it easy or hard to be a Christian in the NFL? And he said, it's easy when you're radical for Jesus. When you're on fire, it's easy. Because people know better. People know better. Uh, you know, but we get apathetic. And there's a word in chemistry, it's called entropy. Now, entropy is the way we measure energy. And what the, the, the rule of entropy means, if you just leave it alone, it becomes less. It becomes less and less powerful. And let me tell you, your spiritual life, if you just leave it alone, 
will become less and less and less. If you're at home and you're not around other Christians, you will become weaker and weaker and weaker in your walk. You've got to be plugged into other people, baptized into the body, baptized into a body, and we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit that's injecting that energy and that power in us all the time. You might, you might have been able to do okay, kind of on your own, just some fire insurance and limping along. But then when, when something like 2020 comes along, and, and people say, well, you know, that virus isn't bad. Listen, the coronavirus has changed the way the world operates, not just here. I had people that at the beginning thought it was about something to do with Trump. This has shut down every country in the world. Uh, you know, the, the, this virus has changed the world. And, and when a world-changing, life-changing event happens, you better be plugged into the Lord and the power of the Lord and the wisdom of the Lord for you to make it through. You know, 20, and in 2021, I mean, it's some crazy stuff. Still, we've got to navigate through, you know. And, um, and so we need that power of the Holy Spirit. Romans, Paul said this, never be lacking in zeal. We talked about last week, keep your passion. Get, get fired up in worship. You know, and uh, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. So don't just serve the Lord like, and get get all excited, gonna tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, we got to get going, you know, and we got to get some excitement going. He says, keep your spiritual fervor. Like I said earlier, the Spirit, Holy Spirit's not here for fun. He's here for function. He's here to give you power to live your life and to guide your life. A third reason we don't pursue the Holy Spirit, or pursue more. Some people are afraid. I mean, I know people that are afraid if they go all in with the Lord, God's going to send them to somewhere they got to live in a mud hut. You know, I got friends that are afraid if they go all in, God will send them to New Orleans. I mean, you know, it's like they'd rather go to the mud hut than come here, you know, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But, but some people are afraid. But here's the thing. Why be afraid of God when, when look at James 1, 7. I have Brother Jesus wrote this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. He doesn't say every bad and miserable gift is from a good. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifts and shadows. Man, the, the, the morals of this culture change depending on who's on, got the biggest Twitter following now, you know what I mean, and, and all that kind of stuff. God doesn't change. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Power is power, and he will guide you through life. I want to encourage you today, pursue all that God has for you. You're no longer uninformed. You don't have to be, we don't want you to be apathetic and you don't have to be afraid. I want you to go for it this year. Hey, here's, a, here's the deal. Give God a year of your life. Give God a year of your life. Say, you know what? I'm going to go all in for a year. That means you're going you're gonna to be plugged in here in the service. Maybe you're going to get on a ministry team. When we start some small groups, we've got a ladies' group and a men's group. If you're off during the day, you're welcome to come here at 1.30 on Tuesdays, although we're not meeting Mardi Gras Tuesdays. But we have a men's group here, so if you work at evenings or something, you can come to a Bible study. Plug in to what we have. We do a conference. Plug into that. Take advantage of what's offered and give God a year of your life. I believe if you do, your life will be dramatically different. And, and push towards the Holy Spirit. Push towards that. Now, I'm going to kind of wrap this up. Ezekiel 47, I love this passage. And it has a little bit to do with us naming the church River Church. It says, it says in verses 3 through 5, it says, As the man went eastward with a measuring line, tape measure in his hand, 
He measured off a thousand cubits. It's a long one. And he led me through water that was ankle deep. And, and look, ankle deep water out in the river, you're saved, right? I mean, you're saved, but you're just ankle deep. You're still in control, but you're in the water. And so then it says in verse uh, 4, it said, He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. You know, you're saved. You're getting in a little bit deeper. Maybe you come on Wednesday night. Maybe you got baptized, you know. I had a guy one time say, you know, I thought I was doing good. I was, you know, twice a year. And he said, then I told God I'm going to give him one a quarter, four times a year, you know. But, but you know, you, maybe you got baptized. You're in knee deep. And then he measured off another thousand and led me to water that was up to the waist. I mean, now you're in a small group. You're taking that extra day. You're coming on Sundays and Wednesdays. You're going to a small group. You're on a ministry team. You're helping the ushers. You're helping security. You're helping the children's ministry or the youth. And, and man, you're, you're like, you're up to your waist. And then look what he says. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. See, we don't like to be in that part because, you know, if you swim across the Mississippi River, you get out there where that current's going, guess what? You're going downriver probably going to drown too, but you're going down river, you know, and, and so you don't like to lose that control, but that's where God wants us. He wants us to get out into that river. That's why we're river church. It wasn't because we're, we're by the river. Somebody said one time, said, well, what if we're not by the river? Everything down here is by the river, you know, but, but we want to be in the river of what God is doing. And so we want you to get out into that river. And some of us, you know, hey, look, I, I don't like losing control, right? None of us do. But that's where God wants us. Because every good and holy gift comes from above. And he wants us to get out into that river. And the river, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, is a river that no one could walk across. You've got to depend on the Lord. And then in verse 9, he says this. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There's going to be life where the river is. Then there'll be large numbers of fish. You like to fish? Got to be by the river. Because this water flows there and makes salt water fresh. And then look at this. It's where we want to camp out. Where the river flows, everything will live. Where the river flows, there's life. We want to be in the river. We want to be in the flow of the river. We started this church, River Church, because we want to be in the river of what God was doing. Bow your heads. Please, close your eyes. Every head bowed and eyes closed. That first step, we want you to experience these baptisms. I want you to experience them all. Whether it's the baptism into the body of Christ, that's salvation. I'm going to get at least ankle deep. That's a, that's a good first step, salvation. We want you to know, I want you to know Jesus the way I know him. I don't want anyone to go to hell, even people I don't like. I haven't met anybody I don't like, but I, don't, I wouldn't want that. And then, but we want more. But right now, I want you to, if you don't know Jesus, you're still on the dry bank. You've not been baptized into the body, into, into Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus right now. If you're watching, just close your eyes. You can repeat this with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin come into my life forgive me of my sin and be my savior 
Be my Lord, which means you're the boss of my life. Give me the desire and the power to follow you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, you may need to do the water baptism at some point, but what I want to want to ask you is how many of you want more? Just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around but me. How many of you want more? You know, we, we can be spirit-filled. We can live a spirit-filled life. We don't have to be spooky. I remember sitting in a life group one time, and we were just talking about how we want more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want more. I want that power. I want to hear God's voice. So, Father, you see these hands that are gone up. Lord, just as we take steps towards you, God, I pray that we'll be a church that goes for more. Lord, that we'll be a church that goes for all that you have for us. Lord, we'll be a church that we don't worry what people think because we're following you. And we've got the power of your Holy Spirit living in us, guiding and directing us as we follow you. So, Lord, I pray for those people who put their hands up, Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. God, that would hit them in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to teach more on this, and we're going to give some opportunities. We're going to do a group. It'll be called Freedom. And uh, in that group will be more about that. Uh, we're working on getting that group together. It won't be uh, anytime soon. I would recommend, that'll be a group we recommend everybody to go through at one point or, or another. It'll be about 10 weeks. But uh, right now we're going to worship. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Pursue everything that God has for you. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, some of y'all grew up hearing Holy Ghost. He's not a ghost. He's the Spirit of Christ. So let's stand up and worship. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. 